The views, information, and opinions expressed during the Aces Up the Sleeve podcast are solely those of the individual guests or hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Pocket Aces Racing LLC or Lilium Garland Media nor any other mentioned parties. Opinions expressed are not necessarily endorsed by the hosts, Pocket Aces Racing LLC or Lilium Garland Media. The Aces Up the Sleeve podcast is provided for private entertainment purposes only. Aces Up the Sleeve assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of the episode. While we do our due diligence to the best of our abilities, the information contained is provided with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. Any advice or opinions provided by or expressed by our guests are those of said guests and said guest alone. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Aces Up the Sleeve. I'm Patty, co-hosting with the co-managing partner of Pocket Aces Racing, or par for the quick reference, Jared Shoemaker. And today we are joined by trainer Ethan West as part of our continuing interview series. Um, and on this hot and toasty Kentucky day, how are we both doing today? I'm fantastic. Uh, Finer than frog hair. <laughs> the enthusiasm. Well, yeah. So you might be the only one enthusiastic for this well. heat. Well, I mean, I haven't been outside all day other than take the dogs out of time. So <laughs> well, that explains a lot. I, I, then. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like poor Ethan who has to work out in the heat all the time. So, yeah. uh, for me, it's not too easy. He's the one that, uh, well, he and all the other folks working with the horses, I'm sure they're, they're struggling a hell of a lot more than I am. I, yeah. I just sit in the air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we go through a few shirts a day. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. You know, I, we hadn't planned on talking about it, but since we have had such heat in the last couple of days, remind me after we get through all our initial stuff, let's talk about keeping the horses cool and how you guys, you know, th- yeah, different things you that is interesting. The barn to, to just help them when it's so miserable hot, like it has been at stretches this summer. But anyway, let's get back to our, uh, our quick intro and talk about what we're doing. And, and then we'll, then we'll jump in with Ethan. Kind of what Jared alluded to in this podcast, we're going to shed a little light on all things Pocket Aces. We're going to talk about the finer points of syndicate ownership. We're going to discuss what the partners and our listeners have asked us to talk about. And hopefully by the end of it, you are enlightened, inspired, entertained on the topics. And especially our partners, you continue to feel like you get good value as your tenure as a member of Team Pocket Aces Racing. Um, So before we get going, I know we have quite a bit of um, shuffling as horses have gone onto the track. They're moving around. So, Jared, do you have any kind of the most recent availability updates and and kind of where everybody's been moving to lately? Sure. Um, You know, on the uh, horses that are currently available and and all three of our newer two-year-old fillies, uh, the Temple City Magic, uh, carousing and it's chemistry baby 21 who are we're currently taking names for and and it's chemistry baby 21 who will actually be going to uh ethan here whenever she's ready for the track uh but you know they're all they're all doing great i did actually go out early this morning and watch them train uh so uh you know, watch their breezes the ones that breeze last week and and really really coming around uh so excited about them and so we got a lot going on, and uh, we'll have some new availability to talk about next time. And 
and you know uh guys don't miss out don't fall asleep and miss out on these because uh there's there's some really nice so we got some really nice opportunities here and they're just waiting for you to pick them up yeah absolutely and kind of depending on on when everyone's going to hear this edition uh we also have a special episode coming out with mark where he's going to discuss that september sale the big the big one the granddaddy of all you know yearling sales so definitely make sure that you're uh you're subscribed everywhere and listening in because you're definitely going to want to hear that one that's going to be a very interesting episode i think as well as our interview uh interview series has been it's been well received so we're happy that you guys are really enjoying these so to kind of continue in this week's edition we're going to sit down with trainer ethan west and he is the current conditioner for ArcLight, Red 5, Taken to the Cleaners, Mamalu, and Microphone. Uh, we're going to learn about kind of his beginnings in the sport, how he comes to understand and, and get to know the new runners in his barn. And then, you know, we're going to have Jared ask his question of what would Ethan change if he was king for the day? So, Ethan, if you want to start with just an introduction, a background, just so maybe some of our newer partners or newer listeners who maybe don't quite know you yet, uh, can get a good idea of who you are. And if you want to start with how you got into racing after that, we'll we'll go from there. Um, all right. As you guys know, my name is Ethan West. I've been training on my own since 2018. Uh, we're currently stabled at Turfway Park. We've got everything here for the summer. It's been nice. They kept it open for us. I used to train at uh, Horseshoe Indianapolis and Belterra. We were split up before the opening of Turfway for the summer. And we, you know, we've been here and we've been shipping all over the place. We've run, I counted up the other day, we've run in 10 different states from here uh, just since May. So we've been, we've been traveling the roads a lot, but it's nice to have everything stabled under one roof for the summer. Now, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's pretty close to home for you, right? Uh, and there at Turfway. Yes, it's very close to home. It's about a three mile drive versus driving the 85 miles I was driving to Shelbyville, Indiana, every day. Oh, God, uh, I don't know how you horses. do it. <laughs> don't know how you do it. Yeah. Um, now, so are you, uh, you going to be at the Turfway just year round? Is that kind of the plan now, or you ship some down, or you move some down to Churchill and, and Keeneland when they're open, or are you just pretty much going to just stick with Turfway? Uh, usually, we do Keeneland in the fall and spring, but this year, as some of you guys know, you know, we're expecting a baby at the first of October, so that's putting a damper on the Keeneland fall meet. We didn't time that one very well. <laughs> You know, those things have a way of uh, putting in their own schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, we're we're excited about that. But we'll I, I put in for stalls at Keeneland. We'll see what happens. We, you know, we still might send some horses down there. And I'm wanting to send some horses south for the winter. Uh, not exactly sure. But as long as Turfway's open with this being home, I'll always have horses here. Okay, great. So yeah, as, as Patty mentioned, you know, just how, how did you, so you've been training on your own for what, a little over five years now. So what got you into it and, you know, how did you, how did you first break in and kind of what has that career path looked like for you? Uh, when I was a kid, my grandparents fooled around with it. My uncle, they just had a few cheap horses running. You know, when I was a kid, all, we ran at Hoosier Park and it was River Downs back then, you know, uh, track at Shelbyville wasn't even mm -hmm. existent. Uh, so we, you know, it was, but it was a hobby for them. And then my older brother, he started taking a liking to it. And me being the little brother, I had to do whatever he was doing. So I followed him around and it kind of just naturally took its course. And he, uh, he's a lot bigger than me. So when I got older, I was still small. I could ride. And so it kind of worked out as a good little team when we were both kids. Okay. So, so you, 
so now so you just started out so you guys just kind of had your own string of horses and you he was a trainer and you were his assistant or you just kind of jumped into it together how'd that work yeah when we were both in school uh he he was working the starting gate and i would go to the track with him in the evening and i would hustle horses out of the receiving barn uh try to make a little cash for my gas money you know get through school and then once i got out of school we both moved to southern kentucky at a training center and kind of really really took off then he he picked up horses left and right and then i he stayed the farm i did the the track you know i'd bounce around from track to track and then 2018 it was you know i got an opportunity that i couldn't pass up to go out on my own so i jumped on it stabled at belterra park and have been out on my own since gotcha yeah, well, I, we'll kind of get into it a little bit uh, as, but you know, you, you're on your horses a lot. You you mentioned earlier that you were, uh, you know, you were smaller than your brother, so you got on the horses. And we have some some trainers that that get on their horses on their own, you know, in the morning. But for the most part, they do not anymore. Maybe they used to it's at one time or another. But talk about that a little bit in terms of just the different perspective that you get from from getting on the horses in the morning and working them out yourself uh, as opposed to having to, you know, interpret what you're seeing and then what you're hearing from your exercise riders. Uh, There's no, there's no better way to be than hands-on in my opinion. And when you're on their back, you get to see and feel and hear everything that the horse is trying to communicate. You don't have to talk to a third party being the rider. You don't have to guess what you're seeing. You know, when you're watching training, you're only really getting to see them come by up close for maybe an eighth of a mile where I'm on their back. I get to go go the whole trip with them. I get to see how they start. I get to see how they finish and every step in between. And I use it to my advantage where I think, you know, I think it gives me a closer connection with all the horses. So do you, do you typically try to make it where, um, you know, you're on – each horse is back at least once a week or something like that, or, or, because you, you can't do, you can't be on all of them all the time. You got too many. So how does that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I try to get on every horse at least once a week. I have, I have my regular horses that I gallop. My riders have their regular horses, but we switch it up as well. I, uh, you know, like horses like taken to the cleaner. I've had her since she was just turned three and I've galloped her regularly since we've had her. I know her inside and out. You know, I just, I take her, uh, but there's, you know, other horses that my riders are fond of that they enjoy getting on every day. So I don't want to take that from them. I, I trust them, but I still try to get on her at least once a week to make sure everything's going, going where it needs to be. So tell us a little bit about taking to the cleaners. You and I've talked about her before. And, uh, you know, I think we've shared with, uh, in some of the updates that, you know, she can be a little, uh, I guess, headstrong maybe is the right way to put it. So t- Talk to Liz a little uh, yeah, bit about her, she, her personality and what she's like. Uh, she is your typical redheaded mare. She is. <laughs> she's very mean. She's very strong. Uh, there's one way of doing things, and that's her way. Right. Uh, I think that's. I think that's why we got her originally because she was such a bowl. Not that she's you know unmanageable by any means. She she's grown up a lot over the last three years. But when she come in, I mean, she was very high strung it was 100 miles an hour everywhere she went and it took a lot of time and a lot of patience to to settle her down 
turn her down a couple notches. And I mean, she's still she's still very high strung, but we know we know what to expect from her now. Right. Well, it's great. Well, you know, we're I guess the plan right now is for her to go to New York in uh, well less than two weeks now. And uh, we've got one of our partners that's in New York and he's super excited about it. But um, he was going to take, I can't remember now uh, if it was a niece or, or just a, a friend of the family, a, a younger, you know, little girl that wanted to, that really likes horses and was kind of excited about possibly going to see her. And so he's like, so what kind of, uh, you know, what's taken to the cleaners? Like, how is she? Would she be good around kids? And, I, and my response back was, well, she's, she can be meaner than a snake at times. So you might want to be a little careful. Yeah. That may not be the one for her to reach up and pet on the nose. <laughs> yeah. And she, she has gotten a lot better over the course of time. She's, she used to be, if you didn't have a hold of her, you couldn't trust her. Now, once you get a hold of her, she's fine. I mean, you can, you can see it coming. She is, mm. she'll lay her ears back if she doesn't like something, but it used to be, she was like a rattlesnake. I mean, she would jump out and get you. <laughs> Uh, that we had a horse uh, years and years ago man if the cats the, that were around the barn uh, they didn't go anywhere near him because I think at one point or another he had grabbed every one of them by the tail and strung, you know, slung them around um, so some horses they just uh, they, they just all have their own personalities and some of them are some of them are sweet and pleasant and kind and some of them are uh, you know a little crotchety but that's okay so um, yeah, absolutely and, I, you know, to me, I think I, I kind of like them when they have a little bit of an attitude because, you know, they, it, it makes them fight to me. It, and again, that's, I don't know this. I don't I haven't done any kind of study on this. But for me, it seems like if they got a little bit of meanness to them, it, it, it ought to serve them well out on the track. They, they you know, they, they're not going to take any BS from the other horses out there. They're going to go out there and they're going to fight for their own and run hard and, and do all they can to show that they're the boss. I, I think so, too, especially in the Phillies. I like it. I mean, they don't all have to uh, show her energy level by any means, but when they do, they have a little grit to them. They have a little meanness. I uh, I think it does transfer over onto the racetrack in the afternoons. So, how many horses do you currently have in the in the in the barn? We've got tw we've got twenty five in the barn right now. It's our twenty five. Now, is that kind of the number that you like and that you're comfortable with, or would you hope to have uh, you know a little bit more, or you know, kind of what what are what, where would you like to be? I, between 25 and 30 is the perfect number for me just because we're, we're very individualized. And I think once you get, you know, above 35 or 40 horses, I think it becomes a program. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the horses get the individual attention that they need, at least not from my aspect of it. And plus when you have that many horses, it seems like a lot of work. And right now it's still really fun to come to work every day. So I want to keep it that way as long as possible. That, that's great i like that i like that a lot so um you get a new horse into the barn and you know you're going to get uh you, you you've gotten several from us over the course of time you know microphone red five um mama lou you get a new horse in the barn and you know it takes obviously takes a little while for you to get to know them for your personnel to get to know them kind of what, what's that process look like how, how do you get to know what you've got when you get a new runner in the barn you know, we'll use an example like we claim a horse. Uh, I usually get on them the first day, at least the first day. We'll see what they're like. I, I like to get on them to see how they feel, you know, see if there's any breathing issues, anything like that, and also get to know their personality a little bit more because, you know, when you claim one, you don't really know what you're getting on any levels. 
you know, you have a form to look at, but actually the individual, you don't really know much about it. So a few days after the race, I get on it, light training, kind of see what we're working with and go from there, see how they're reacting to everything and how they're handling what we're giving them. Similar with a horse, like when we brought, bought microphone in, I guess, uh, you know, as a horse of racing age and brought him in similar, similar to the claim, but what about, uh, you know, bringing in, a a two-year-old so you're going to get uh you're going to get uh, the it's chemistry baby here when she's ready she had her first breeze over the weekend and went really well by the way so uh you get her what, what's what's awesome. it like getting to know that uh that new new two-year-old or, or new three-year-old coming to the track for the first time well you know when they come in that that's the part i love the first few days you really get to see it's like sending a kid off to school you don't really know what to expect when they're away from mommy and daddy and uh you know first time they get out here on the big track you uh you don't know what to expect they could be doing everything perfect at the farm or training center where they're getting broke at they come here and it's it's a whole new world you've got horses coming at them you've got horses going by them fast it's it's a lot louder it's a lot a lot faster tempo than the training centers are so it's uh it can be a little nerve-wracking at times you just you got to time it right on the racetrack you know usually send the babies later for the first time let them get acclimated to it we usually send them out there with the pony we've got to we got a pony horse and we gallop them around there with that, unless we have two or three that we can send together and let them kind of teach each other and let them learn, learn together. But usually when we just have the one, like uh, if it's chemistry baby, when she's coming, you know, as of right now, she's the only one coming in. So we'll take her out there. We'll gallop her with the pony a couple of days, give her some company. And that way it'll help build a confidence while she's out there as well. I, I, you know, I, and we've kind of touched on different, different varieties of this with other guests over the years, but I, I want to drive it home because I know we, Mark and I have been managing horses with pocket aces racing for closing in on 20 years now. And I say, uh, we, we say all the time, you know, horse needs a confidence builder. And, and I get a lot of questions from our partners about that. How, what do you mean a horse needs confidence? How does a horse need confidence? You know, they're an animal. Talk to us about yeah. the importance of confidence and, and, and building it up and, and having a horse that's, that's ready and feel feeling good about themselves when they hit the racetrack. You know, it's uh, it's just like any athlete, you know, you it's a mental game just as much as it is a physical game, especially with the younger horses. I think a lot of times, especially with the early two-year-old races, it's not necessarily the fastest horse. I think it sometimes is the better broke horse or the better behaved horse where, you know, they're not spending a bunch of energy in the paddock or in the post parade. They're handling themselves with class and, you know, keeping their composure. And just like any sport, you know, you get a kid out there on the football field that's running wild <laughs> all over the place. He's burning his energy in a, in a negative way where you've got you've got a kid keeping himself cool, keeping himself calm. He's not going to be tired late in the game. And I think that goes right. for horses as well, where, you know, you've got to you got to keep their mind right just as well as you do the, the physical aspect of it as well. And how do you keep a horse's mind right? a lot of time and a lot of patience <laughs> okay it's, uh you know and it, you know it is it's it's one of my favorite parts about with the young horses is you know teaching them to go out there where you don't want the horse to every time they go to the racetrack they think they're going fast where if you're at training in the mornings you'll notice they go on the racetrack and they and they stand for a few minutes mm-hmm. you know and then they walk off they they jog off they you you teach them you break them to be horses before you teach them to be race horses. If that makes any sense to you. Sure. Got, you got to walk before you can run. They, uh, exactly. And I think that's a huge part of it. And that's what we try to do with the babies. We, you know, they come in, they are breathing, but when they come in, we try to slow them down and let them know that this, 
you know, we're not going to blow their mind with speed out here. We're not going out here to see how fast we can go every day. We it's it's controlled training. Gotcha. So I know you you talked to Mark uh, about this already, but uh, and and he shared with me some of your thoughts. But your know, microphone's coming back from his little, uh, I guess, working vacation. We'll call it. You know, he he got a little bit of turnout time, but then he hit the treadmill and you know the aqua tread and. Uh, according to Dermot, he just, he loved that thing. He just, they couldn't turn it up, couldn't fill it up deep enough and, and make it go fast enough for him. He just absolutely relished it. So uh, he's come back to you. How, how's he looking? I think he looks fantastic. Uh, Dermot sent me a few videos of him while he was on the treadmill. Uh, he's definitely a happy horse. He's moving well, eating well. He's, you know, I think he picked up right where he left off physical wise. And he seems to be moving a lot better as well and a lot more comfortable. I think the treadmill was a uh, was a good call for him. He he seemed to thrive off of it. We had a question here. Uh, you know, when you send horses, you mentioned already you send horses to ten states this uh, this year. Um, you know, you're, you're a small operation. I know you've got Abby that is your assistant, and you can tell us a little bit about her. And she made she may be part of this answer. But you know, when when you're sending horses to Louisiana or to Texas. Or when we're going up to New York here with taking to the cleaners, with the, since you don't have strings of horses up there, and and oftentimes it's tough for you to. Sometimes you make the trip, but it's often tough for you to make the trip. So, how are how are how are you coordinating that, and who's taking care of the horses when you should when you send them to another state where uh, you know you or Abby can't make the trip, and you know just what what are the the the, the logistics behind that sort of uh, of race situation. Uh, you know, every race is different. We've been fortunate enough with, and we can just take into the cleaners for a lot of these examples because we've put so many miles on her this summer. I mean, she's gone everywhere. Yep. You know, when we, when we ship to Texas, uh, I have connections down there that we shipped her into a couple days early and I was able to attend the race. I flew down the day before and got to see her, you know, was there for the race. Uh, when we went to Evangeline for the Opelousa stake, that was one where I had, you know, once again, we had connections down there, we, you know, a lot of networking and we shipped to Brett Brinkman and he took care of the filly, did everything just like it was one of his own horses. He actually had a horse in the race as well. So it worked out good. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, and he, uh, you know, he took care of it, shipped her back. He, he helped with the arrangements to come home. Uh, but then you've got scenarios like when we went to Maryland and the race got canceled, yeah. Abby was with her. She drove her out there. She hung out with her, okay. um, canceled the race, loaded her back up and come home. And that, for the most part, that's the majority of what happens is Abby's our road warrior. <laughs> she does a lot of that important stuff. Gotcha. Now, now, I know a lot of our partners have met Abby uh, since we started working together and, and, you know, seen her at the track and on race day and probably seen her even at the barn if they'd come by. So tell us a little bit about Abby. How did how did you guys get together? How long you've been working together? And, and what's uh, Patty making note of this? Let's get Abby on the show sometime and she can talk about we talk we've talked to all we've talked to a lot of the trainers, but let's talk to the assistant trainer and see what life is like for assistant trainer. But tell us a little bit about Abby. How did she get with you? And and um and so forth uh she's great i mean me and her have been friends for a really long time and we're almost like brothers and sisters and uh you know we're very close sometimes you know too close we fight like brothers and sisters but we get along like <laughs> brothers and sisters right. too you know right uh 
we uh but no she she's fantastic she's been working with me since 2000 i want to say is in the winter of 2019 2020 somewhere right around the turn of the year and uh she's been my assistant she's uh when i when we were split up between indiana and belterra she was at one place and i was at the other i was bouncing back and forth and then when we all came together at turfway she she, you know she does a lot of our road shipping she i don't have to worry about a thing when she's on the road she she takes care of it just as if I'm there and it's a huge relief to me it's it's you know I don't have to stress if the horse is getting there okay I don't have to stress if you know they're all right and communication's fantastic it's a huge lifesaver and a weight off my back that way I can focus on the 24 other horses that are still training while she's right. taking care of the races yeah and like I said you please pass along uh, our appreciation uh, to her because like I, said, I know she's met uh, you know she meets uh, our, our folks when they come in on race day when when you're not there and takes good care of them is always very generous with their time so please uh, pass along that appreciation for us and yeah and, and yeah patty seriously let's let's see about getting her on sometime it'd be good to talk to an assistant trainer and just hear the, the different perspectives that uh, that she might have so yeah um, no problem. we'll see if she throws ethan under the bus <laughs> I, i'm guessing she's oh, probably gonna, I, I can guarantee it I, I i mean i really i want to talk to her because i know she's the brains behind the operation i mean you know let's let's face it so. absolutely i'm just the face <laughs> um so had one person well we actually had three questions that came in from different partners uh and or listeners and but they all kind of got around to the same uh, you know, basically the same uh, point, you know, there's so many changes going on in the game right now. And, and, you know, owners, trainers, uh, fans, we've had so many people expressing so many frustrations with Heiza and how it's being implemented. And, you know, one day this is allowed and the next day it's not allowed. And uh, then we're going to suspend for this, but we're not going to suspend for that. And then two days later, it's the exact opposite um you know that so you know that, that that's just that's one situation that's going on the the breakdowns that have been happening across the sport at at the tracks where you know quite frankly we we tend, typically have always thought of them as the safer tracks uh you know that at, at churchill and saratoga and santa anita and and where where safety should be at the forefront and but we continue to have just this spate of of catastrophic injuries uh, when 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 you're dealing with stuff like that day in day out how 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 do you fight through it and 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 keep bringing yourself into work every morning doing what you do you know with all those headwinds in your face you drink a lot no i'm just kidding <laughs> you uh no it is it, it, it is a major headache i mean i i'm not against what Heiza is trying to do, but I don't think they're implementing and focusing on the right things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they come in, they're they're against the anti-dopers. Well they're punishing people for, you know, giving these huge suspensions and these huge fines for things that I, I, I wouldn't classify as doping horses. Not that I, I'm doing these things that these people are getting in trouble for by any means, but I, I think there's plenty of, you know, mishandling on the highs of end and the focus is just, it's in the totally wrong direction. They're, they're more concerned with giving a jockey a $500 fine for hitting eight times trying to win a race rather than 
somebody neglecting their horses and not feeding their horses properly and they look like garbage when they go to the paddock. And I yep. think, you know, it, it should be more focused along the horse care rather than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we had issues and, you know, confusion over Red Fives medication. And, you know, they're talking, you got to take horses off EPM medications for crying out loud. I mean, it's just it, it, it's nonsense. Yes, it, it, and that's what it is. It's, you've got, from from my standpoint, it's like you've got people that don't have a clue what they're doing, put in charge of people that have been doing it the same way and having results from it for a long time. And then now you're trying to tell them how to run their business and how to run, basically run their world. Yep. And it's not, and I think all three of us and just about everybody that we talk to would agree 100% that we need to make a lot of changes in this game. And, and, you know, to be fair, we had a lot of chances as an industry to police ourselves and we chose not to do it and nobody would come together uh, because there's a lot of people that, that are um, quite frankly, they're dirty and they, they need to be out of the game, but Correct. so much of what's happening now, it, it's not, yeah, we're, maybe they're going to catch up to them sooner or later, but uh, right now it's they're they're just causing nightmares for everybody that's trying to do things right. Yes, exactly, and it it makes it tough for us to do our jobs correctly because when you call a regulator, one of the HISA or HIWU employees, and ask them about a rule, the the common answer for every rule is, "I'm not sure. I'll have to get back to you." Yeah. Well, if <laughs> If the leaders don't know the rules, how are we supposed to play by the rules? Yeah, if, if they can't tell you what's allowed and what's not allowed, how are you supposed to make a decision to do what's right by your horse? Exactly. And, you know, they, they're making some changes slowly, but uh, they, they come in this total control look on things, and it's just it's put horsemen against it 100%. Yeah. It's, you know, it's turned into a dictatorship of you can do this, but you can't do this. And it's, it's made it tough for everybody. And, the you know the ones that stick it through kudos the ones that give out it's well you know you can't sit here and blame them so what about with uh you know again what's what's going on with all the breakdowns man i mean i I guess obviously if you if you knew the answer to that you would you would you wouldn't have to keep training horses you could go do something else and then you get a gazillion dollars but man that's got to be tough on 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 everybody every morning i would have to think that you know the day after a, a you know, two or three breakdowns happen, it, it's got a way on you when you come into the barn every morning. Oh, it's very, uh, it makes it very somber and it, it makes you appreciate the good in it though as well. And the, you know, the common misconception with these, with outsiders is people, they think that trainers are sending horses out there to, to die, essentially. They, you know, they're not taking care of their horses. They, they aren't, you know, oh, they're just, they're running this horse crippled just to make a couple hundred dollars. Well, that's not the case at all. The people in this game, they thrive by horses winning and horses doing well. They're not going to jeopardize their horses for a few hundred, few thousand dollars. And if they are, I, I mean, shame on them. But the, the most people back here on the backside, they, you know, they want, they care for their horses. They're, they're around their horses more than they are their family for the most part. I mean, it's just, you know, like me, I spend more time at the barn than I do at home. And, you know, these horses, I, I like them. Everybody likes them. You've, you've got to love the horse to be in here. And yeah. the people that don't think that are, you know, I think they're totally wrong. They've got the wrong angle. They need to come spend a day at the barn and see see what it truly is about. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're going to do that one day. I'm going to come with my camera and my video camera, and we're going to film a day at the barn. 
and we're going to turn that into uh, one of our our YouTube projects uh, because I think it would be fascinating for people that that are fans of racing, even some of our owners. You know, we have we have a lot of owners that have never seen their horses in person. Uh, they've never been in come. They've never come and visit on the backside. They they haven't come to the training farms and visited. And even when you do come and visit. Yeah, they come by the they come by the stall. They you know pet them on the nose, maybe give them a peppermint, uh, or and then they go watch them train. And and I don't I think the vast majority of fans of racing, they know it's a lot of hard work. They know it's early hours, but they don't really know how hard it is to do what you guys do and to do what the grooms do, the trainers do, the exercise riders. And I, I really want to show some of that uh, with, some, with, with spend, spending a day or two or a morning or two with you guys at the track. Oh, I think that would be fantastic. And it would give, you know, give the outsiders an inside scoop and a different point of view of really how much goes into it. I mean, it's, it's 100% a labor of love. Yeah. You, you've got to, love this love these animals and love this sport to get up and do it every day it's not like it's your typical eight to five where you know you go in you punch in you clock out it's you're dealing with animals and livestock and there's always something to be done there's always you know horse getting sick horse getting hurt you know running here running there it's it's definitely a uh it, it's a long it's a long road but it's a very very rewarding road as well yeah it's 24 7 365 there's no days off oh Completely. So um, Patty alluded to it earlier. Um, you are you are king for the day in North American racing. What do you change? One, oh, one give me one, maybe two things. We only have it. one day. No, you're you're, you're king. You're in charge. You can change. You can change one thing about North American racing. What would it be? I think it would be to gear the racetracks away from the corporate look and more towards the horse friendly look. Uh, you know, there it seems like the racetracks are all now about the casinos and turning a profit. And the bottom line is how much money are we making? And I wish more of more of their thought process would be towards the horses and the welfare of the horses. Uh, you know, I've talked to different owners before and we've all had the same look on it. We wish racetracks offered more of a uh, like a farm style, for, mm -hmm. you know, with turnouts and, you know, round pins or like different ways of training because they're in a stall. They go to the track and train and they come back to their stall. Yep. It's not much of a life for a horse where I wish the tracks would help with that, you know, supply, you know, put more round pins, get more land, maybe, you know, put paddocks out where they can graze. And some racetracks do have that and kudos to them. You know, I know Keeneland, it's, it's more of a farm setting where they have round pins and they've got the big turf gallop behind Rice Road. Uh, they've got the poly track. They've got the dirt track. There's different ways to train horses there, which most racetracks you have a dirt course and you've got a barn and yep. that's, that's the horse's life. And that's all they see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know Belterra park, you know, they've got a few little pins around the barns, but my goodness, they all get used so much. There's no grass in any of them. <laughs> exactly. Like anyway. And that's, that's one thing. Yeah. That's one thing we're fortunate enough here at Turfway where our barn location is, we have a ton of grass to graze. They all get to go out and graze every day and we've got a round pin where they can get out and roll around to try to make them, you know, keep them as happy as possible. Right. Okay. 
Very, I, I like that. I, that. That's an answer we have not heard yet. And I, I, so I, I appreciate that. So, uh, well, you've got a nursery to get ready for that baby that is coming soon. And, uh, and I no, you know, keep, keep talking. It gets me out of work. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not going to have Paige. I'm not going to have Paige calling I'll me up saying, hey, say, you kept him all night. You're saying the uh, arc of the universe is going to bite us in the rear end for that one. <laughs> Paige will be texting me after a while saying, Ethan needs to paint. Let him go. No, but uh, seriously, yeah. you know, I, I know you guys got a house full of kids and another one on the way. And I don't know how she does it and keeps track of everything that's going on when, when, while you're at the at the track at four o'clock in the morning till Lord knows when every day. So uh, but, it, I, it, you know, I would have to assume you know, I've seen her around the horses and it's got to be a labor of love for her, too. So. Oh, yeah. She enjoys it just as much as I do. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, our, our great appreciation to her and, and, and your kids for being so generous with their time uh, for you. And uh, thank you for joining oh, yeah. us tonight. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to winning some races uh, with you here. We got, we got one, we got that, that first stakes win at the Op you know, Opelousas was so fun and so exciting. I'm ready for some more. Yeah, I, absolutely. And that's what we're, trying to gear up for and get them ready for and hopefully microphone can get back in his winning ways and maybe step up to the stakes rank that would be great uh maybe taking to the cleaners can get another one so we we've definitely got a lot of upside in the barn right now absolutely so keep doing what you're doing you're doing a hell of a job and, and we appreciate uh, how generous you are with your time for us uh for our partners and um you know uh, we, we couldn't thank you enough and uh, look forward to you know, let me know. Let me if you if whenever you get down here to Keeneland, we'll definitely uh, be around some, and um, and then uh, I'm going to get with you on uh, on spending a day in the barn, whether it's either Turfway or here, and um, just learning more about uh, what's going on behind the scenes because I think uh, I think people will find it uh, very interesting and uh, and uh, educational. So, again, thank you for everything. All right. Well, thank you guys, and I appreciate you guys having me on here. It's been a, been fun. Good. Appreciate it. <laughs> thanks to everyone, you know, for tuning back in this week and for listening to all of our episodes. And thanks to all of our subscribers. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. Leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts or the Spotify pages. Um, don't forget to follow us on our social medias, which is Facebook, Twitter, or now X, as it's called. We're She's, calling it Twitter. We're calling I don't like it. X. We're, yeah, we're Team Bluebird over here. Sorry, guys. And <laughs> uh, and Instagram, it's under the same syndicate name. It's under Pocket Aces Racing. And then tune in and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you hit that bell to get the notifications for when the new features start coming out this month. We're super excited for those, and we hope you all tune in. And as I always remind all of you, and I hope you take heed to my words, but have a happy Wednesday. Have a good Wednesday. Make good choices. And as always, a podcast. She's out. <laughs>